Amen. Good morning. Good morning, church. Let's stand together. This morning, I want us to sing some good, fun, traditional Christmas songs. So let's stand yes. together. I want to hear you sing out, though. We've got a few gaps in here today, so I need you to fill it up with your voices, all right? I want you to sing out. Let's start out with Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. So good to see you this morning. Welcome to Airline. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad and honored that you are here. My name is Zach Johnson, the lead pastor here. And we hope everybody's getting ready for Christmas. And so show of hands, who has finished Christmas shopping? Okay. Who hasn't cr finished Christmas shopping? Who hasn't started Christmas shopping? There we go. That is my crowd right there. Uh, but again, I hope you're excited to be here. We're excited to be able to worship together today as we approach the Christmas season. If you're visiting with us, we'd love for you to fill out one of those connection cards. They should be in a seat back somewhere around you. And then as well, we have a gift for you today. Just come find me out in the foyer after worship. We'd love to be able to give you that gift just to thank you for taking time to be here um, with us today. During this time, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings as we continue to worship the Lord. And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll take up those tithes and offerings and continue 
worship. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you. We love you. We praise you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity we have to worship. And so God, give us the strength to worship you. In spite of everything that's going on outside, whatever may be taking place in our lives outside of this room, God, help us to worship you and make much of you. To lift high the King who has come for us. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Say it out. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar, shadows near.
name for 
That's what we celebrate this season. Not just a baby that was born in a manger, but that God became flesh. That's what we gather together to celebrate and to worship the God who came to us. That's what we worship today. Again, so excited to see you here. Thank you, Mike and the band for leading us in worship. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as we continue our series this Christmas season on the greatest story ever told. As you're turning there, I just want to make note of a couple of things, um, just kind of speaking pastorally this morning, um, looking ahead in the calendar a little bit, January 7th is going to kind of be an important Sunday for us. We're going to take a Sunday and really just kind of share our, our vision, where we're going, what we are about. And so that's going to be Sunday, January 7th. But a couple of things I just wanted to bring to your attention before we get there um, to kind of give you a, a sneak peek of, of where we're going this year in 2024. 
One of the things that we've done is we have assembled a team of individuals whose purpose is to pray, to strategize, and to communicate how we are going to pay the debt off on this building in 2024. And so that's where we're, one of the things that we're doing this coming year, yeah, amen. <laughs> and so one of the things that we're going to do this year is we, but with the Lord's provision, with the Lord's guidance, we are praying that we will be debt free by the time we sit in this room in December of 2024. And so one of the things that we're going to do is there's going to be a series of events, but I just wanted to make you aware of that as, as the year ends. If, if you're interested in already um, giving to that, you're more than welcome to. We're not going to say, no, you must wait till next year to do that. Um, but I, I'm excited about where we're going as a church. And so that's one of the things that I just want to make you aware of. And as we get closer into January, you're going to be hearing more from that team and really the strategy that we have to pay the debt off as a church. Um, you, you may be surprised to hear this, where we currently sit uh, is in the middle 120,000 range. It's currently where we are. Um, when the debt first started, it was in the 3 million range. And so that's through your faithfulness and generosity, that's where we stand. And I believe that through God's help and God's provision and your generosity, this church will be debt-free in this upcoming year. Now, I just want to emphasize the goal of that is not just to simply be debt-free, although that will be a nice perk, a nice addition to be debt-free. The goal of that is to use the, the funds that God has given this body of believers to achieve the mission that God has given us. And so by being debt-free, we will alleviate the funds that we normally use to actually be spent on the mission of airline. And so that's the goal, that's the purpose in that. Number two is a renewed vision and ministry for discipleship. And so one of the things that we're, is in the works right now is a renewed men's ministry. And so starting in January, we're going to be starting back with Iron Men. So January 8th, correct? That Monday night, we'll be starting back calling all men. And so we're going to start back with a large group gathering on Monday night. But then as well, we're going to be working on having small groups for men throughout those intermediate weeks and gathering together outside of the church campus as men to do life together. And so those are two kind of big things coming up in the life of the church. A couple of things that we're working towards uh, as we just kind of establish a vision, who we are, where we're going. And so uh, you're going to be hearing more about those in the coming weeks. But uh, I just wanted to give you a sneak peek of what you're going to be hearing about come January 7th. But with all that being said, Luke chapter 2 it's a rather familiar passage of scripture. If you've ever been around a children's musical or a general church around Christmas time, you know this story. This is even quoted, I think it's in Charlie Brown, right? So it's pretty well known just from Charlie Brown by itself. And so as I shared last week, it, Preaching a Christmas series as a pastor is, is difficult. 
Because you've already heard the text before. You've probably heard dozens, if not hundreds of sermons about Christmas. And so my aim as a pastor is not to tell you something new that you haven't heard. My aim is to remind you of what you've already heard. It is the greatest story that's ever been told. And we looked at it last week with this unlikely message that Mary receives. And Mary hears from God and hears the promise of God that she is to give birth to a son. And she goes, hold on, time out. There's a problem there. I haven't known a man. And yet God goes, that's no issue. Through his supernatural power, he's going to bring about his son into the earth. So she hears that message. Well, here in Luke chapter 2, we have it come to fruition. So let's read it, then let's notice a few things. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the world. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also from, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was pregnant. And it happened when they were there came the time of her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. For there was not a place for them in the inn. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, would you speak to us today through your word? Let us hear what you have to say. Remind us of the truth of your word. That on this first silent night, you came to dwell with us. That when we could not come to you, you came to us. And so God, help us to celebrate that today. And God, we will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all of this in Christ's name, amen. So as I've already said, familiar passage of scripture. But three things I want us to notice this morning. First, I want us to see the people surrounding Jesus' birth. The people surrounding Jesus' birth. So going back to verse 1, it says, and it, it, and it happened in those days that a decree or a dogma, a rule of law was sent out by Caesar Augustus. And so what is this dogma, this decree that he sent out that all the world should be registered? Now, what does it mean to be registered? Augustus is taking a census he wants to know how many people are living in Judea. He wants to have the number. Why? So he can have an accurate count of how much tax money should be coming in from Judea. That's why he's taking the census. 
Because you see, Caesar Augustus historically was well known for this. It was actually one of the, what he's attributed to as kind of being one of his major successes is that even though he was based in Rome, he alleviated the tax burden off of his Roman citizens by shifting the burden to the provinces which they had conquered. And so he would conquer a territory and they would take a census to see how much tax should be brought in from that territory. And so during this time, Judea is a province of the Roman Empire. They're not autonomous. They don't make their own decisions. They're under the rule of Rome. And so he's taking a census. So Luke is giving us this historical picture. And not only that, he says this was when the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That when he was, when Quirinius was governing this larger area. And so most historical estimations place this somewhere between 4 and 6 BC when Christ was born. Now it's important to note, dates are difficult. Okay, calendars are sometimes different. So we shouldn't stress out about that. Okay, it wasn't, not everybody was waiting on Christ to be born and go, okay, it's A.D. now. Okay, Jesus has been born, we are no longer B.C. Okay, so that, that didn't happen. That's something that shifted after the fact. So this gives us a historical context when Jesus was born. Now let me just say this in passing. If you are making up a story... If you're making up a narrative that you want people to believe, even though you are lying about the narrative, do you give them historical markers to go check you? No. It would be like if I told you the other day I went fishing and I caught a 20-pound bass and Mike was with me. What have I done? I've given you the opportunity to go, hey, Mike, where were you at this week? Oh, I stayed in the office all week. Hold up. Zach said he was with you when he called a 20-pound bass. You instantly know that I am lying. But what if I really did catch the 20-pound bass and I was serious about it? I said, okay, it Mike was with me. We were over there on the lake. This was the pier we got off on. And all of these things, I give you all of these historical points. What am I saying? Go check me on it. That is what Luke is doing when he talks about the birth of Christ. He's placing it in a historical context that hears when it happened. But here's the main thing I want us to see. You've got two people listed, Caesar Augustus, Quirinius. These are both, these are, these are Romans. These are, can we use the word pagans? And yet a, they send out a decree that God uses to bring about Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. And we're going to get to that point in just a moment. But I want us to see this morning that they're not looking at 
the Old Testament prophets going, listen, we, 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 we have this prophecy in Micah that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So, and there's rumors of a, of, a, of a lady who is pregnant with the Messiah. So, so what we need to do is we need to orchestrate a plan to get Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem so that the, the Messiah is going to be born. That's not taking place. They're just simply going, we need to get the tax revenue up. And so let's issue a decree. This isn't even on their radar. And hear me this morning, God uses it. God uses the people that we would last expect to be a part of the birth of the Messiah. And yet, God is perfectly in control. So we see these people. These are the last people we would expect God to use. And yet, what is he doing? He's using these people to bring about Christ's birth in Bethlehem. So we see the people surrounding the birth of Jesus. But then number two, we see the places surrounding Jesus' birth. The places. And so all went to be registered, each to his own town or to his own town. It says, and Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So we, said, we saw they were in Nazareth. And if memory serves me right, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 85 or so miles, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but you gotta remember they don't have cars. So 85 miles is a little bit different than it is today. And so they've gotta go to Bethlehem. Why? Because that's where Joseph's people are from. That's where his lineage is from. So they have to go back to their hometown in order to be registered for this census so that they can be taxed properly. Does this sound like a fun time to be Mary and Joseph? So wait, Mary's pregnant and now all of a sudden, because of this decree, we have to go to Bethlehem? In the middle of nowhere, and this decree was made. It even says to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, here's the interesting historical note: is that Mary did not have to go with Joseph. It was Joseph's responsibility to go. 
that he was the representative of the family that would have went to be registered. But Mary is so far along with child, he goes, it would be better for you to go with me than for me to leave you here in Nazareth by yourself. So he brings Mary with her, with him to be registered. And just as I said with the people, now we know that God pr promised this, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And we don't know what was going through Mary and Joseph's mind at this moment. But I just can't help but wonder, surely this isn't how Mary viewed this thing playing out. Now we don't wanna look at this anachronistically, look at it through Western eyes, but I just can't help but, but wonder, Mike, surely this isn't the, the life Mary had pictured. Surely this isn't the scenario that Mary had pictured. You mean to tell me I'm going to give birth to the Messiah? and I don't even get to do it from the comfort of my own home? I'm sure that they were probably ready at home to have a birth. I'm sure they probably had the, 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 the setup ready to go for Jesus to be born. It was gonna be nice, it was going to be easy. They already had everything ready to go at the house. And then all of a sudden, We've got to go to Bethlehem. All of a sudden, we've got to take this weeks-long journey to go to Bethlehem so we can be registered for the census. I'm sure this wasn't part of the plan. But here's the beauty of it. It was exactly part of God's plan that it may not have been a part of Mary's plan. It may not have been a part of Joseph's plan, but it was exactly God's plan the entire time. And they couldn't see it and they couldn't comprehend it, but yet God was at work. So we see the people, we see the place but then lastly, we see the processes, what happened. It says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. I just love that, that verse. The time came for her to give birth. Like, God, surely in your miraculous power, you could have delayed this a couple weeks until they got back to Nazareth. Nope. The time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? For there was no room, there was no place in the inn 
or the, the guest room, as some translations say. So not only do they go to, have to go to Bethlehem, they have to go out of their way to get there. The time comes for her to give birth. And to make matters worse, there's not even a place for her to give birth. Now, just to kind of give you some historical context, the way most houses would have been set up was you would have had the main living area, there was a, a manger or a stall for the animals in the middle, and then on the other side would have been a guest room. Likely Bethlehem did not have a paid inn to stay in, so there wasn't a holiday inn they were looking for. But when they get there, there's not even a guest room available in somebody's home. Why? Because they probably had all these other Bethlehemites showing up to the city for the census. And so there's not even a, a guest room for them to stay in in anyone's home. You heard me talk a little bit last week about the social status of Mary and Joseph, that they were on the bottom of the bottom of the totem pole. How do I know that? Because there was no guest room. You see, in a high-context society as in this day, if you come in, you have a higher honor, a higher reputation than somebody else, and somebody else has a guest room, you get their spot. That person gets kicked out, and the person with the higher reputation gets the room. And so Mary and Joseph, they don't even get a room. There's nowhere for them to stay. And so they go to the stall. And there she gives birth. They don't even have a crib to place the baby in. Here is born the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The one who holds the universe together. The one who has eternally existed. The one who has existed in perfect fellowship and harmony with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. And he's born and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's placed in a food trough. Surely, this isn't how Mary saw it going. Surely this isn't how Joseph saw it going. That you mean to say the king of kings has been born. You mean to say the Messiah has been born. And he's lying in a food trough. Like three hours ago, cows were eating out of that. And now Christ is laid in it. Surely this isn't how it was supposed to go. And so this brings us to our central idea this morning. 
The greatest story ever told had unlikely moments. We said last week that the greatest story ever told had an unlikely message that God had not forgot. And that God was going to use unlikely means to bring about the Messiah. But here we come to chapter 2. We see unlikely moments. That, that first and foremost, that God would use unlikely people. People that don't make sense. Like Caesar Augustus and Quirinius to bring about the Messiah. Then he uses unlikely places. That God would send them down to Bethlehem for Christ to be born. But then also he uses unlikely processes. That a king's supposed to be born and he's supposed to be in the palace. He's supposed to have all the nice stuff. He's supposed to have the silver spoon. He's supposed to have handmaidens and nurses looking after him. And yet, Christ is placed in the manger, in the middle of the stall. Or prior to this moment, or maybe they were still there in this moment, where livestock was living. And yet, God uses all of this to bring about his plan and his purpose in bringing Christ to the earth. And I, and I love this text as the band comes back to the stage around Christmas time. I love it because it's so easy for this to this story, because we hear it so much, we 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 interact with it so much, for it just to kind of become background noise to us around this time period. And we lose sight of how crazy this story actually is. Of how mind-blowing this actually is. That the king of kings robed himself in flesh. And instead of coming in, in the palace, he came in, in the manger. That's the king that we worship. But yet it also reminds us, and it should be the reminder to us this Christmas season, of God's goodness in his plan and in his purposes. You see, Mary didn't know what all God was accomplishing and what all God was doing in that moment. And it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes it's from a pastor by the name of John Piper. And he says this, that at any moment, God is actively doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. 
At any moment, God is actively doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Just imagine the confusion that was going on in Mary's life. This isn't how the plan was supposed to go. This isn't how it's supposed to work out. You're saying I'm going to Bethlehem to give birth. God, you promised me a king was going to be born, and now I'm in the manger. God, what are you doing? And yet, God was perfectly at work, and yet she couldn't see it. How many times in our lives do we find ourselves in the exact same moment Mary was in? God, what are you doing? God, this isn't how the plan was supposed to go. God, this isn't how it was supposed to work out. And yet we lose sight of God being God. That's what Christmas reminds us of. And so today, maybe it's just a call for us to be reminded that God is God. That's easy to grow frustrated with the things that we don't know that God is doing in our lives. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I, I like to play the, the what-if game. Do you ever just pause and just think about the thousands of decisions that had to happen for you to be here today? Like, I'm weird. I think about weird stuff like that all the time. Like, what if my parents didn't start dating in high school? What if... Whitney's parents didn't start dating, was it after college? Yeah, somewhere around there. What if that didn't happen? And, and what if, even if that would have happened, what if my, my mom and Whitney didn't have the same hairdresser that made the connection and said, hey, I think Whitney and Zach should start dating and then we started dating and then we got married. Like what if that didn't happen? You ever play that game? What if? But you see, all of those things happened. And God was at work in all of it. Because God knew that they needed to get married and they needed to get married because when did I need to get married? Why? Because he was working something. He was doing something. Because in all of that, there's two girls in Florida that needed a forever home. And I guarantee they weren't thinking about that. I guarantee you that wasn't on their radar. And all of that happened, why? Because God was going to call us here one day. I guarantee you that wasn't on their radar. And that God is actively working things today that you may not see, you may not notice, but generations down the line, it's going to be seen. It's just a matter of if we'll trust him 
with the 10,000 things that we aren't aware of. That's what Christmas reminds us of. It wasn't on Mary's radar. It seemed against the plan. And yet God was at work bringing about his perfect plan. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. If you need to come pray, this altar's open. If you need somebody to pray with, Clint will be standing over here. I'll be standing over here. But I don't know what you're wrestling with, what you're fighting with today. Maybe you just needed to be reminded that God is at work. And maybe you just need to worship the God who is at work this morning. Or maybe you need to place yourself at his feet and to thank him for being at work. Even when it doesn't seem like he is. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for the message that Christ has come, not according to our plans, not according to our will, but according to your good and perfect will. So God, help us, God, to keep your work on the forefront of our minds. And God, we will give you all the praise, honor, in glory. God, help us to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we respond. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for
Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, as I said before, we'd love to connect with you in the foyer. Um, we have a gift for you just to thank you for taking time to be here. Um, just a couple quick announcements this morning before we wrap up. Um, and so, of course, this month we're continuing to do Lottie Moon. Um, so we have our goal. And so if you want one of those envelopes, they should be at the desk in the foyer as, as we work towards that goal to go towards international missions. And then as well, unfortunately, we, we had planned tonight our children's presentation of a not-so-silent night, um, but we had some sickness that ran through the children's ministry this past week, and so we did not want to get risk any other kids getting sick going into Christmas week. Um, and so what we did was we want our kids to be able to do it. They have worked hard to be able to put together this musical. And so January 7th, that Sunday evening, um, we're going to do not-so-silent night that Sunday and so uh, we unfortunately we, we can't do it tonight as I said we don't want to risk everybody getting sick the week before Christmas um, but we will do it that Sunday January 7th and so um, hopefully if you need to let some people know let them know that we won't be having anything this evening um, but we will be having it Sunday January 7th all right with all that being said of course no midweek activities this week through the end of the year um and so we look forward to seeing you next sunday for christmas eve as we'll still have life groups and worship and then that sunday evening at five o'clock we'll be having our candlelight and communion next sunday and so I invite you to come back as we celebrate communion together and then sing some christmas songs by candlelight and then you will disperse and go to family and friends and all of that fun stuff for Christmas Eve. Amen. All right, Mike, will you close us in prayer?